Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Coffee with a friend is like capturing joy in a cup. Welcome to the Coffee with Jenny B podcast, hosted by Jenny B, a lover of all things coffee. Each week, Jenny will chat about connecting over coffee, what brings her joy, and everything in between. A lot can happen over coffee, so grab a cup, sit back, and enjoy. Now here's your host, Jenny B. Hello and welcome to the show. I have a confession to make. I am a bit of a control freak. It's true. I like things the way that I like them. And it doesn't always work out the way that I like it to. I guess I've had several fights over the years with my husband because he always thinks that, oh, you have to have it your way. And maybe it's because I'm more insistent about doing the things that I want to do. But that's not really fair if you think about it, because I'm not taking the other person's input into consideration. And when I think about being more cooperative, for instance, and discussing things, and sometimes it does work out where we can sit back and talk about all the things that we want to do. But it's when you have that strong, dominant personality, which is part of what I have, you want things the way that you want them. And you don't stop to think that perhaps it doesn't work out for the other person. You know, I've mentioned in previous episodes about my not accepting help because I think I can do it all or I can do it better, or it takes too long for me to explain something to someone. And I know sometimes that I get impatient. You know, if I'm showing someone something and they're not quite getting it or it's taking a long time for them to do it, I want to hurry them along. It's like, come on, like this is easy. You should figure it out. Not realizing that not everybody can figure it out or can do it as quickly as I can or perhaps want to do it that way, which gets me back to being that bit of a control freak. Because really, if I'm controlling something, what am I gaining by the control? Am I gaining that dominance that perhaps I'm, I'm better attitude? I know I've said that I think that I can do things better, so I do things myself. It doesn't mean that I'm better than someone. I'm controlling it because I want that control for myself. I've spoken to a therapist about this. I've talked about that whole idea of me wanting that control. And they said that the feeling of wanting that control is that you want to feel safe. So by controlling the situation, by controlling yourself, by keeping yourself in check, so to speak, you are basically protecting yourself. You're putting up 
a wall around yourself. You're putting up armor because you're afraid of getting hurt. And I guess it stems back, you know, you think about when we're children and we're dealing with a number of different traumas, you know, whether we're bullied at school, whether we were living in a dysfunctional family, mother, father had issues, maybe they weren't home, maybe you were a latchkey kid, you were responsible for looking after yourself, or maybe there were other traumas that occurred. And you grow up thinking that you are able to get past whatever you dealt with, whether it was not as difficult, perhaps, or perhaps it was so bad that you've blocked it out. You're saying, nope, I'm going to go on and continue with my life. And so by blocking it out, what you're doing is, I guess, blocking part of yourself, building a wall around yourself, putting that armor up. But by being in control, you're not allowing others to access part of you. And inside and behind the armor and behind the wall is someone who is hurting still, dealing with insecurities, that imposter syndrome, that perfectionism, the idea that perhaps we're not good enough. And so when we try to overcome that, we strive harder for that control. So you push when you should have pulled back, you tense up, you harden when perhaps you need to soften. And that's what I want to talk about as well, is the idea that it's okay to soften. In the book, Rise, Sister, Rise by Rebecca Campbell, there's a page that is titled, It's Okay to Soften. It's okay to let go. It's okay to let go of your troubles. It's okay to let go of the day. It's okay to let go of your fears, whatever it is that you are struggling with. It's okay to soften and let go. When I think of being in control, you are stealing yourself against the world. You know, your face can be not hard, but not soft. You're tensing your shoulders. You are tensing your body. Everything is in control. Everything is kept tight. Because as soon as you let part of yourself go, you're opening yourself up for the possibility of being hurt. I think about growing up. My family, I I guess it, it wasn't entirely dysfunctional, but my mother was an alcoholic. We lived with my grandparents until I was a teenager. I had an older sister and we didn't always get along or see eye to eye. A younger brother, I remember we always fought. And my dad was busy working. He worked full time, came home, had supper, and then he was out working a second job. And so I was left to my own devices a lot of the times. So I would lose myself into the world of make-believe and imagination and stories as a way to, I guess, protect myself. And then growing up, my first husband was an alcoholic, being a single mom at the age of 30 with two children and dealing with surviving, I guess, you learn to build up that armor. And it's really hard to break that armor apart, thinking that I always have to be on. I always have to push. I always have to hustle and make things happen. And sometimes making things happen, hustling, pushing, it ends up costing 
yourself. And it's also affecting others around you because others want to help. Others see that you are struggling. Others see that you've got that tight grip on yourself. And it doesn't allow that connection. It doesn't allow for that relationship. Because if you're always keeping yourself in check, if you've always got the armor around you, you're missing out on a lot. And I realized that by keeping part of myself back, I'm missing out on those opportunities to be vulnerable. I was listening to Brene Brown, and she was talking about her latest book is The Atlas of the Heart. And in The Atlas of the Heart, she talks about 30 emotions that we carry inside and the emotions that we share with others. And it's about those connections that we make, but there's two different types of connections. So there's the connections that you make with others, and there's the connection that you make with yourself. Now, getting back to the idea of control, we're perhaps taught from an early age that we are not allowed to show our emotions. You know, if we're angry as a toddler and we're stomping our feet or having a temper tantrum or a meltdown, we're told to use your words. We're told to try to control ourselves. You're acting crazy. You're out of control. You know, if we raise our voices, if we show our anger, if we show any kind of an emotion, I shouldn't say we're made to feel less, but we're made to feel that we shouldn't be showing our emotions. You know, and let's talk about crying. When you cry, is it a sign of weakness or is it a sign of strength? And I think most of us would tend to agree that crying can be seen as a sign of weakness. It's like, oh my gosh, what's the matter with you? You're, you're crying. There's nothing to cry about. You know, or if you're a child and you're crying, I'll give you something to cry about. You learn pretty quickly to control that. And what you're doing by controlling your crying, your anger, sometimes even your joy. You know, if you're so excited that you can't contain yourself, you know, it's like, okay, settle down. You know, it's okay. Don't be so excited. It's that feeling that we need to control our emotions. So we suppress the joy. We suppress the anger. We suppress the crying. And we grow up suppressing everything and feeling that control. And it's hard to break through. It really is. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. You know, I find that sharing part of what's going on is also perhaps a sign of weakness. You know, saying that I need to see a therapist, I need to talk to somebody about what my issues are, means that there must be something wrong with me. And that can stop you from sharing. So when you do go for therapy and they're saying, so how's everything going? Yeah, you know, it's going okay. Until they start digging a little deeper. If they know that this is just a facade that you're putting on, 
they will ask those difficult questions, you know, the probing questions, wanting to get to the root of what's going on. And when we think about the issue of mental health, you know, all of us struggle with depression, with anxiety, with panic attacks, and we tend to function as best as we can. We don't talk about those things. I was talking to uh, a friend of mine the other day who said, you know what? I've been dealing with depression for most of my life, but I don't talk about it. I don't want people to know that this is what I'm dealing with. But she shared that with me because we were talking about sharing different parts of ourselves. And she, I don't want to say she's okay with dealing with a depression, I suppose, but she's recognized that this is a part of what she is dealing with and she's found a way of being able to cope with it. You know, I think about when I'm overwhelmed by trying to control everything. You know, I have to do this. I have to do that. I need to do that. Stepping back and and thinking, do I really need to do whatever it is? Do I really need to control that situation? Can I step back and let someone else do it? And it gets back to the idea of it's okay to soften. It's okay to step back. It's okay to cry. It's okay to say, people say, hey, how are you? How's everything going? Oh, great. You know, everything's great. Everything's wonderful. You change the subject and you move on to something else. Now imagine the different conversation of someone said, hey, how's it going today? You know, not very well. I'm having a really bad day. The response from the other person could be, oh, you know, I'm really sorry to hear that. Maybe feeling uncomfortable because you're being vulnerable, changing the subject or cutting the conversation short. Or they could say, oh, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. Do you want to talk about it? Now, ideally, the second version is the one that would allow you to perhaps share what's going on. But in my experience, it's always been the first one. And so because of that reaction, you don't want that, you know, look of pity or that look of embarrassment or that awkwardness. It's like, oh, I don't know. What should I say? I wasn't expecting that. You tend not to share. So again, it's getting back to that control. You control your emotions. You keep things locked up inside until you have that moment where it's an epiphany, you're watching a movie. There's something that triggers that emotional release, the breaking open the wall, taking off the armor, allowing yourself to feel those emotions. And it's okay to let it go. I was taking a yoga class and this is, oh my gosh, I don't know how many years ago, I remember the yoga teacher walking around and she was lifting our arms or checking to see if we were relaxed or deep in Shavasana. And I guess I was, I wasn't as relaxed. And she said, you need to surrender. And I thought to myself, no, I don't need to surrender. And I remember getting up off my mat and walking out and not going back to her class because I thought, who the heck are you telling me that I need to surrender? But I missed the point because I thought I needed to surrender to her. But what I realize now, after all these years, is that I needed to surrender to myself. I needed to let myself go, but I couldn't do that. And that's another way of control is not surrendering to whatever's going on. When you're making a decision about something, you try to control the outcome, but realizing that you can't control everything. You can't control the outcome. You can control how you are reacting to it, 
or not reacting to it, depending on the situation, but it's discovering more about yourself. And I like to think that over the years, I've learned to not let it go completely because there's still that part of me that still wants to control things. But I've been a little bit more agreeable, a little bit more gracious about giving up that control and saying, okay, let's do it your way or let's try that or you're absolutely right. We don't need to do it my way or admitting I was wrong. (laughs) That can be the hardest thing is admitting that you were wrong or that you made a mistake. You know, getting back to that perfectionism, that whole imposter syndrome. You know, if you admit that you made a mistake or that you were wrong, there's something wrong with you and you're not as perfect. But there's no such thing as perfect in life. And you need to consider others, others' opinions, feelings, desires, thoughts, plans, allowing someone else to say, hey, you know what? What would you like to do today? And let's go do it instead of me making plans. And it's okay to let my husband take control and let him decide what he wants to do. He's the kind of guy that in his own way, he likes control. Meaning that if we are visiting a new place, he needs to check it out. He needs to visit all the landmarks, walk around, figure out where things are so that he knows exactly where he is and where he needs to be. And part of that is controlling the situation in a sense that if I need to be here, if I need to go to a grocery store, whatever it is, I know exactly where it is. If we are heading somewhere, he needs to know in advance, what's the address? How are we getting there? And it's knowing that he wants to be there. He doesn't like getting lost. I remember at the beginning when he used to do that, it used to drive me crazy because I'd say, I Googled it. I've got it here. I've researched it. Here's a map. No, he needs to work it out himself. And I remember all the fights we used to have until one day I realized, you know what? I don't need to control this. I don't need to fight with him on this. This is his comfort zone. This is what he wants. This is what is making him feel good about the situation. Why do I have to control him? Why do I have to control the situation? So I took a step back, let him do his thing. It makes him happier. I don't need to get involved. You know, I remember when the kids were little and they would have an issue with, you know, my husband, and then he'd complain to me and I would try to fix things. So I'd be in the middle trying to fix whatever was going on between the two of them. And it ended up getting me in trouble. (laughs) So I learned that I need to remove myself from the situation. If you have an issue with him, go talk to him. You have an issue with her, go talk to her. I'm not getting involved. And so in a way, that's my giving up, my controlling the situation because it has nothing to do with me. And I realize now when I think of other situations that someone is doing something or wanting to do something, and if it doesn't directly involve me, why do I need to get involved? I don't need to expend my energy trying to control things, trying to fix things, trying to fix people because no one likes to be controlled. And even when I think about situations that I'm in, sometimes things don't work out. I need to be able to say, you know, that's okay. That's okay that I didn't do this, or I didn't do that, or I didn't get to this. Because why worry? Why waste all that energy? It's getting back to the idea of 
It's okay to soften. It's okay to just be. I volunteered at a golf tournament the other day, and my job was to sit at the hole, and we were offering a snack for the golfers. That was my only job, is to sit at the hole, wait for golfers to come by, give them the snack, and it was a beautiful day, and I'm sitting there and not stressing about, oh, I should have my phone, or I should be doing this, or I should be doing that. I just sat there and relaxed. I enjoyed the fresh air, the sunshine, the feeling that I didn't need to be anywhere. I didn't need to be doing anything. I just needed to sit there and be still and just enjoy the moment. And I absolutely loved that feeling because I was able to soften myself. My facial expressions were soft. My body was soft. I was relaxed. And I want more of that. I want less of the control, less of the feeling that I need to protect myself. So until next time, think about where you can soften. Think about how you can allow yourself to let go and be free, to loosen the armor, to break down that wall around you and feel that sense of relaxation, that sense of freedom, that sense of connecting with yourself. Thanks so much for listening. If you like Coffee with Jenny B and want to know more, connect with Jenny on Instagram at Coffee with Jenny B. That's Jenny with a G. Until then, all you need is joy and more coffee. Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com.